Do you fellowship with a local body of believers on a regular basis? If your answer is yes, what are some of the powerful forces that tempt you at times to want to pull away? If your answer is no, what has caused you to drift? As we close our mini-series on the Church in the New Testament Perspective, our study leader Dave Wurtson challenges us to resist the powerful undertow that pulls us towards isolation. We've been studying together how we need to learn to accept one another. We first of all need to decide we're going to live together. We need to devote ourselves to one another. Then we need to accept one another. Then we need to forgive one another. And last week we talked about the fact that in the process of living together, that our old nature is going to bite and devour at times. We're going to slip into sin. And then we're going to need to restore one another. Last week we talked about mending broken nets. And we talked about that whole ministry, not of rejection, not of condemnation, but a ministry of restoration. And I just wish we would pray that the Holy Spirit would just be a tremendous restoring influence, that we would be able to just reach out to believers that have kind of moved away from God's family, moved out of fellowship and begin to really restore one another. This morning, we want to get into two more one another concepts. First of all, we want to talk about the mutual encouragement of sharing our faith with one another. And then we want to close with the mutual counsel and warning that should take place among God's people. Now, just to underscore how important these two areas are, is I think that we need to realize that these two factors, mutually encouraging one another and mutually counseling one another, from a New Testament perspective, can only take place in a face-to-face confrontation. I had a pastor call me up earlier this week, and he's a young pastor, and he was very, very discouraged. And as he began to share with me and spill it over with me, he said, David, I'm really discouraged because I study hard and I, I work hard and I'm excited about the gathering together of God's people. But there's some of my church family that have decided that I can't speak nearly as well as Dr. So-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, that they can sit in their den, sitting in their living room with a push-button control, with a nice cool Coke in their hand. Some of my people are saying, well, I don't really speak nearly as well as this Dr. So-and-so on TV. And so they've decided just to kind of stay at home. And he was very discouraged. He said, what else can I do? You know, I can wear chartreuse suits and stand on my head and one week wear Bermuda shorts and I can study a little bit harder. But he said, there's no way that I can compete with the TV superstars. I want to make something very clear that I really praise the Lord for satellite disc and video. I think it's one of the most exciting things of the 21st century. And I'm all for using them to take the gospel into every corner of the world. I'm in favor of using short wave, long wave, in-between wave, any kind of waves you want. You can even use a surfboard to proclaim the gospel if you want to. I don't care. But you know, as I heard this young pastor speaking and the discouragement that was coming to him, the discouragement that he was feeling was the discouragement of people that were moving away from one another, even though it was a good communication, even though it was a very effective presentation. You see, for example, when a soloist sings on a big-time television series, you don't see the time they didn't turn on the loudspeaker and the time that she forgot her words in the middle because you can just start all over again and videotape it again. But you know what else you don't see? 
You can't see one another when you're sitting in your den. You see, there's no way that you can be there in the den and share your faith. One of the big reasons we need to gather together, we need to be together, is because you can't do the kinds of things that Paul wants us to do in a family of believers in an electronic church. And so I just tried to underscore to this young pastor, don't worry. You don't need to feel intimidated. You don't need to feel the competition. Because the Holy Spirit's always going to be moving among his people to realize that they need one another. In fact, as we began to analyze what he was saying, it was really only one or two people in the congregation that were moving away from one another and starting to get more involved in the electronic media than they were in a flesh and blood body of believers. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, because the great apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1 talked with some believers that he had never seen before. He had never met the Roman believers. And in Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, he talks about some reasons why he wants to see them face to face. He talks about some things that can only happen among a group of believers when we're together. When I can reach out and hug you. When I can reach out and shake your hands. When I can look at you eyeball to eyeball. There's some things that can only happen in that personal time. Look at verse 8. Romans chapter 1 verse 8. First, and it's kind of a stress on, this is one of the most important things that I want to share with you. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. Look at that verse. The great apostle Paul is running to a group of believers that he's never met, and he begins by stressing how thankful he is to God for that group of believers. Notice he's a good southerner. If you translated this verse correctly, it should be, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That's what he says. Now that's really important. I want you to understand that the Apostle Paul, in working with believers, communicated to everyone that was there that he was thankful to God for them. And I want all of you to realize, as we gather together this morning, I'm really thankful for every one of you. It amazes me, at the beginning of almost every one of the Apostle Paul's letters, he begins by saying, I thank God for y'all. And that communicates that one another. It communicates the fact that the great apostle Paul realized that it was a miracle that God had caused people to believe. And when those people believed, they became God's children. And because they were God's children, they were the most special people in the world. Not people that can be proud of themselves because it's all by God's grace. But none of us should forget that we are someone that we should be thankful for. And I hope you thank God for your own personality. I hope you thank God for the person sitting next to you and on down the line. That There's a tremendous feeling of being thankful because every person that's here today is precious in the Lord's sight. And the Apostle Paul communicated that not just as some big possibility thinking kind of an idea. He meant it. It was reality because these people through Jesus Christ had become God's children. So Paul begins by saying, I thank God And we always can thank God the Father through Jesus Christ. We must always remember that we can never pray. We can never have access to God 
but by one person. And tell me who that person is. Who's the only person in all the world that you can say, through this person, we have access to God? Tell me who it is. Tell me again, real loud. Tell me louder. Good. The reason I ask you that with I within Poland, they believe there's someone else that you have access to God through. I'm serious. In Poland, you have access to God according to the popular belief of the people through the Virgin Mary. Not even through the biblical Virgin Mary, but through a conglomerate of a patriotic Madonna type figure. There's little idols of Mary all along the road. Even as you're driving down the highway, you stop about every five miles and you can see people worshiping a shrine. You can walk into hundreds of churches. There's hundreds of churches all over Poland where people are praying supposedly to God through the Virgin Mary. And that's, that's not scriptural. And what makes it so tragic is because Jesus Christ is the only mediator. When Paul says that he thanks God for these Roman believers, he says the right thing. It is only through Jesus Christ that we can talk to God. I hope every one of you realize the tremendous privilege that you have to pray to God through Jesus Christ. When we just stopped a few minutes ago and we prayed to God, God really heard us. God's ears, God the Father's ears were just as wide as they could be. Not that they have to get wide because he knows everything. But when we prayed to him, we prayed to him as his children, like a child would pray to his daddy. And it's because of what Paul says here, through Jesus Christ, we have access to the Father. But then he thanks the Lord for a very specific thing. Because your faith is being reported all over the world. What is Paul saying? All over the world, people are learning about the fact that there's a Roman believing church. There's a group of believers in the city of Rome that have come to believe to bring it right up into the world that we live in. Just like the Roman church had a testimony, we have a testimony. Pray for that testimony. Satan hates that testimony. Satan wants to do everything he can to destroy that testimony. But by a miracle of grace, he has not been able to do that yet. And let's praise God for that. And the waves of faith and the waves of influence, I believe, have only begun I want you to be a church family that prays for the world. I want you to pray for a mighty moving of the Spirit of God in all the world and believe that we can have a part in that. That's the way Paul believed. When Paul wrote to the Roman church, they were on the verge of becoming a church that in the second and third centuries would have a worldwide impact. And I believe there's no reason by the Holy Spirit's power that we can't be a part of the body of Christ that we can say, I thank God because the faith of Midlothian Bible Church is being an encouragement and an uplift and a strengthening factor in the body of Christ all around the world. That's the way Paul prayed for believers. In verse 9 he said, God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son, is my witness. Paul is stressing here that he served none other than the Lord God to sharing this good news to being a part of people that are unashamed of the gospel of Christ, then you'll be living right on the cutting edge of what existence and life is all about. But then Paul said this, that he was anxious to see these believers. He says, The Lord is my witness. I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. 
In other words, Paul is expressing the fact that he prays for these Roman believers repeatedly. You know, one of the areas of discipline in my own life that I would ask you to pray about is the Lord will discipline me in the ability to pray repeatedly for those that I'm ministering to and even for those that I've never met personally. One of the reactions that I have when someone comes back from a trip and I haven't been able to be a part of that trip, I feel a little bit left out. I feel like, man, they got to do this and they got to go there and what's little old me doing and what can I do with it? And what it makes me do is to kind of withdraw from it. What I want you to realize, based upon what Paul is sharing here, we can have a great ministry by praying for people that we have never seen. Paul prayed repeatedly for a group of believers that up to this point he had not met. Now that really underscores, I have a hard time praying for people that I see every day and every week. I've shared with you before, I find it much easier to get into the car and listen to the announcer on CareLD all day long. A friend of mine was sharing with me about that. He said, Dave, I want you to really pray for me. I just have, I love to listen to the news all day. You know, when I'm traveling around. And I said, well, join the club. So do I. It's just easy to do that. You know, you can turn on the news and keep in touch with the world. And and even though they tell you the same news over and over and over again, if I find I'm hooked on it. Anybody else ever have that problem? I mean, I'll listen to the same forecast over and over again. I know it's wrong. (laughs) No, I'm only kidding. But I want you to pray for me because what I want you, this passage really convicted me this week. Here was a man that had never met the Roman believers, and yet he could tell them, I pray for you repeatedly. And you go, oh, he was just, he was just talking. He was like those people, you know, you go to a family gathering and they go, oh, I haven't seen you in the last three years since the last person in our family died. And boy, I'm just so sorry about it. And you're sitting on your teeth, baloney. You know, we won't get together till the next wedding or funeral. You know, we're not that close. We all say things. Oh, I wish I could see you. And we know we're not going to see him for the next 10 years. And we know deep in our hearts we really couldn't care that much about it. Paul wasn't like that. In fact, a guy that says, listen, if you don't believe I pray for you every day, I call God to be my witness. That's pretty strong. You see, Paul said, if you don't think I'm praying for you, even though I've never met you, I call upon the Lord God of the universe as my witness. That's pretty credible, isn't it? And that's kind of a man that Paul was. You know, the world has yet to see another man like the Apostle Paul with the power of God that was upon him. Now, none of us are going to be Paul because the Lord only made one Paul and the Lord only made one of us. And we're all going to play our role in the body of Christ. But Paul is a marvelous example of the things that are really important in life. Here is a man that lived a lifetime and found reality. And one of Paul's top priorities was to pray for fellow believers. I believe that we haven't even begun to realize what God could do if every single one of this room, on their way to work, on their way back home, in between times, maybe as they're mowing their lawn, as you're washing the dishes, I don't think we've begun to see what it would be like if every one of us could stand up and testify, as God is my witness, I pray repeatedly for the family of believers. Do you have problems with somebody? Does someone kind of grade you the wrong way? Does their personality turn you off? You know how to deal with that? Pray for them. 
You know, I find it changes my attitude about someone completely when I start to talk to the Lord about them. I can be up on my haunches, angry, wanting to get them, really feeling badly about what they're doing. And I start to pray for them. And I notice that God does a very subtle thing in my life. He starts to change my attitude and makes me for them instead of against them. That's what holds people together in the family of God. And that's what Paul had. Paul was an apostle who repeatedly prayed for families of believers. You get to the end of Paul's epistles and he starts reaming off names. You know, how many of you have ever wondered, you got to the end of the book of Romans and suddenly there was a list of about 30 names. How many of you have ever skipped over those names? Love, yeah, I have. Sure. Why do we skip over them? Because we don't know any of those people. Well, why do you think under the inspiration of God that God saw fit for Paul to list through all these people? Because God wanted to show us that the Apostle Paul was the kind of a man that knew individuals and prayed for individuals and was burdened for individuals. You want to get so you remember names? Pray for names. Pray for people. Jot down the names of people that you meet along the way and start praying for them. And pray for them every day. I believe Paul must have had a prayer list. Because you can't repeatedly remember all these people unless you jot them down. I think Paul would be riding in a boat and you'd see him early in the morning ripping out his list. He'd probably have a scroll he would shake it out. And he would start praying for these believers. Lord, pray for the believers in Ephesus. And Paul would start going through the believers he knew in Ephesus. And he'd say, Lord, I pray for the Corinthian church. So-and-so is having trouble. A major part of Paul's ministry was that ministry of praying for fellow believers. You say, Dave, why do you think it's so hard to pray? Because I don't think I'm doing anything when I pray. Any of you have that trouble? You see, I think I'm really doing something when I'm doing what I'm doing now, which is what I love to do the most in serving God's family. I love to teach and I love to talk publicly. For one thing, it takes a lot of energy and it's active and trying to hold your attention and asking the Spirit work. I really feel that the Spirit of God's doing something when I'm talking. But when I'm praying and I'm all by myself and nobody knows, I find it's really hard for me to convince it. And also, if someone comes in on me, I feel like they might look at me and say, what in the world are you doing? You're just sitting here. Why don't you do something? I say, I am doing something. I'm praying. They say, I mean, really do something. Somebody even was joking about raising support. You know, a missionary will say, I want you to pray for us. I want you to pray for our ministry. And all of us say automatically, yeah, I know what you want. Get my wallet out. Would you pray about the building? What are all of you thinking? We need to put a little bit more in the offering plate this week. Isn't that the way we think? We automatically jump from prayer to activity. What I want you to realize is spiritually, Prayer is the activity. Prayer is what makes it all happen. Prayer is what enables the Holy Spirit by a miracle of God's plan that we would be included in what he is doing. Prayer is what catches us up in the very activity of God. But I want every one of you to realize that just like the Apostle Paul, you have a part to play in the body. We can automatically identify with what Paul is saying here in this verse, that he longs to go to the Roman church. He longs to be able to get before them and and teach them the Old Testament. And then under the inspiration of Scripture to be able to, to prophesy to them and to teach them. And all of us could say, oh, we would love to have that happen in our own church family. But I want you to see the next verse. 
In fact, think about yourself honestly. What do you do to get ready to come to church? What's going through your mind? Look what Paul says in the next verse, verse 12. That is that you and I. You know, Paul was always a you and I person. You and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. The great apostle Paul is saying, I want to go to be with the Roman believers. And we say, well, Paul, why do you want to go? He says, well, I want to teach them. I say, Paul, man, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to hear you teach. But Paul didn't stop there. He said, but you know, Dave, the real reason I want to go is not just the one-way street of me giving. But I want to go to the Roman believers so that I can have them give to me. Now, think about that. The great apostle Paul, the most gifted first century believer, he believed that he needed to gather together with believers so that they could give to him. They had a gift from the Spirit to share with him. And that's what should be happening in our midst. You know, when I was a little boy, I used to go to a service at 9 o'clock every Sunday morning. And in that service, there were several men that would get up. And I'll never forget, some of my earliest memories of a little child is of a man getting up and saying, would you please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1? And then the man would say, I'd just like to read a couple verses for you. We had a gathering together last night. And before we began that meeting, you know, ordinarily you just have a word of prayer. That's what you start with. Last night, the leader of the home where we went opened the Bible and he shared. And it throws a totally different cast upon that gathering together of people. I had just come back from the lake. I was tired. I said, man, why do we have to go to this tonight? And I'm the pastor. I had to be there. But emotional. I said, man, alive, I just got through skiing. My arms wouldn't even stay up. And yet this dear brother opened up the scripture and read and reminded us of what the scripture teaches us about one another and who we are in Christ. And as a pastor teacher, the Holy Spirit used that man to get my heart emotionally where it needed to be and to get my thinking where it needs to be. You know, that happens time and time again. Have you realized the power of sharing your faith? You see, Satan's trying to convince us your faith isn't really that important. And you've told this story over and over again. Those people have already heard what you want to share. You talk too much. They don't like the way you pray. There's too many us when you talk. You don't have the evangelical jargon just down. You might interpret the scripture wrong. Don't share. That's all satanic. Because God says you're a part of the family. And in his family, every believer is precious. And he wants you to think. Not just about receiving, but giving. And there's been so many times when the faith and the testimony of another believer is contagious. Really is contagious. You know, if you're sitting home and you're a lazy boy with the automatic control, you're not going to help that TV one bit. In fact, you're really, you're spending your electricity and your TV is going to wear out too fast. And the push-button control will go on the blink and you're running down your battery. You're just not building up anybody when you're cooling. And not that you should never watch TV. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying this. Please don't let life slip by choosing to sit in a lazy boy 
with an automatic control when there's precious flesh and blood people that if you're there your very presence is encouraging 